You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello everybody and yes we're back. Sorry we missed uh, last week but um, I managed to do something to my back and on Sunday afternoon I was laid out on my bed suffering uh, unpleasant spasms in my lower back and I didn't think that you'd want to listen to me going so on this week's (laughs) (laughs) edition of the essential apple no, that would have been bad. That would have been bad. So I thought I'd, I'd give it a miss. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that would be uh, good for me or anybody else. So uh, we're back again. Uh, this time without the back spasms, thankfully. Um, well, uh, over the last couple of weeks, quite a few things have gone on, haven't they, Nick? Um, I have. I have. Um, well, I suppose we'll, we'll just kick off, I think, because um, I will say it's snowing here. It's been snowing all day. I've got about two inches of snow in my garden. Um, well, no, it's not, it's not here in Birmingham. Oh, gone dark, though. Yes, it's gone dark. <laughs> I just looked out and it's black out there. <laughs> it's gone black. Yes, we're a bit later than usual. Um, we are a bit later than usual recording. Anyway, um, this week um, we had new betas for everything. Uh, 11.3 for the Mac. 14.5 for uh, iOS devices and 7.4 for the watch, um, which is good. Do rather they, nice. I presume they do that sort of immediately after they release the versions before, do they? Because I, I, I only noticed that I'd got upgrades this week. So, um, Well, they do. They've released, you know, the official. So I went on to the, the official. So I was on the same you know, same as everybody else for about a week. Yes. Um, and then they said uh, new developer betas are out. Um, and there's usually a, a few days delay between the, particularly the first developer beta and the first public beta. There's usually right. a few days in there. And then um, as the betas go on, the, the gap between the developer and the public betas tends to get shorter. Um, after the second or third beta, often the public beta comes out exactly the same time as the developer beta. Right. Um, I suppose it depends on how much they're having to update. Yeah. I, I think usually the first one, I think they put out a first developer beta and then, um, you know, fix any really serious bugs before they put out a, a, a public beta. Um, and once they've got past that, it's sort of, I think they're fairly confident that it's uh, safe enough to put out a public beta almost exactly the same time as a developer beta. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a link here for what's new in 14.5. I, I love this. I mean, it's only on the first beta and people are already putting out articles about what's new in this you know, in the new one, whereas most people yes. have only literally just got 14.4. Um, so really, you know, surely you should be telling people what's new in 14.4, not what's uh, coming in 14.5. Um, but um, I've not had it installed uh, very long. Apparently, the podcast app has been redesigned. Uh, there was a re- reminders, short uh, sorting features and many more. And I've got a link to a 9 to 5 Mac if people are interested in knowing what's coming in 14.5. Um, yeah. One of the big things that's been all over the web, and you've probably seen, and people keep saying 14.5 adds support for unlocking your iPhone with your Apple Watch while wearing a face mask, which is true. It has. That that's is clever. That is a thing. But what they have failed to point out in almost every single article that I have read is that you also have to have your watch on the 7.4 beta or it doesn't work. Ah, right. You have to have both of them on the beta. Um, And you can't upgrade your watch. That'll be good when it comes out, though. It's the one thing that's frustrated me the most is going... I mean, I I think I've said before, I haven't done much going out to shops. I've had most of my stuff delivered during the pandemic, but... But when I have gone out, um, it is very frustrating when I get you try and go go and pay with your phone, and you pick it up, and it sort of says, "Well, who are you then? Don't recognise you." <laughs> my um, because my bank doesn't do Apple Pay, much to my yeah. annoyance. Um, that's not the problem. And 
when I do go shopping, if I go shopping for myself, um, it, it's not so much of a worry. But um, when um, when I was going shopping for my mum or uh, our friend Mel, both of whom, you know, I mean, my mum and dad are sort of in their 80s. So, you know, yeah. they were staying at home and uh, Mel lives in a, um, like sheltered housing. Um, mm-hmm. So she, you know, she wasn't going out. So she would tend me, you know, ring up and say, can you do some shopping for me? And then I would have a shopping list. So then, of course, when you're going around, you're not doing your shopping. You're looking for stuff on people's lists. And then yes. what would happen is you'd, you'd look at the list, go, okay, I want bananas and oranges and a loaf of bread and a block of cheese and what was it? Oh, phone's locked. And my <laughs> passcode, I haven't got a short passcode. I've got a full-on alphanumeric long passcode. Oh, right. Okay. So that takes some time. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not like one, two, three, four. It's like, you know, and that was frustrating. So, um... I did. I did try it actually the other day. Once I'd got the baiters in and I went to the shop. Um, I did try it, and what happens is you you um you have to. They both have to be on the baiter, and then you have to go into the watch and turn. Um, sorry, you have to go into the like the the watch you know, app. Fa- uh, Face ID and um, unlock, you know, passcode and face ID and whatnot. Yes. And you scroll yeah, down yeah. to the bottom and there's a new switch which says unlock with your Apple Watch and you turn that on. Uh-huh. Um, and then it'll work. And then what happens is you, uh, you, you know, pick up your phone and it will it will do, it will come up with a face ID thing. But after a second, your watch will tap you on the wrist and the phone will open. So there's a slight right. delay. It's not as instant as just, you know, looking at it, but it obviously does a face ID. There's, I can't recognize you. Then it looks for the watch. The watch says, yes, that's allowed. And then it opens. So there's, a, there's like a, I don't know, maybe a second delay, but it's a lot less aggravating than having to start typing your passcode in. So, um, yes. Absolutely. Of course, presumably, if you're paying with your watch, you wouldn't have to do all of that rigmarole anyway. No, no. It's it's only to to unlock your phone. It's just to unlock your phone. Um, Yeah. And as some other people have pointed out, um, it's not a full unlock in it, or it doesn't replace Face ID altogether. So it, it will use it to open your watch. Uh, open your. It will use your phone. watch to open the phone, but yeah. you can. It will not. It will not allow that to verify anything else that works by Face ID. So. Right. Okay. So it's just for doing that. It's yep. just for opening your phone. So obviously it is just for doing those things, going around the supermarket, want to look at your shopping list or use yeah. a calculator. So a good, to a good, wor- your... good work around for something that can be a bit of a pain at the, at the, yes, at the current time. Yes, very much time. so. And, but it, yeah. it prevents it being a case of somebody steals your, you know, steals your phone and your watch and can get in and then use your face ID it that yes. way. Um, and, you, yeah. you know, spend your money or get into your banking app. It won't work for any of those things. It only right, okay. Phone, that makes sense. Which is, yeah. which is good. So, it, it, you know, it removes an annoyance without breaking any other security. Yes, without giving up all your all the secrets. Exactly. Exactly. So that that's good. Um, so that's something to look forward for, to. Um, I don't know how long the beta is going to be for seven uh seven point four um and fourteen point five. We shall have to see. Um, but I think you know mask wearing is going to go on for some time yet for most of us. Yes, afraid so. And um, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but somebody said, well, even when, you know, quote unquote restrictions are lifted, I'm not sure I'm going to be that keen on going into a supermarket or other crowded yeah. place without wearing a mask. <laughs> I have some sympathy with that. And, yeah, um, I must admit, I've, uh, I must admit, I've been finding myself, uh, as is my want, living on my own, shouting at the television. And particularly shouting at the backbenchers, who as soon as as soon as it looks like we've gone past the peak, yeah. um, there's still oh, more than up. a thousand people a day dying. Yeah, they're saying, they go, "Oh, we should be opening up now." We should be opening up. We should be opening up. And um, yeah, on the same podcast, somebody said, "Yeah," and, and you know, all of our listeners in you know in Asia, you know, Singapore, Asia, whatever, are going, "Yeah, duh," because well, yeah. <laughs> you know, Japan, exactly. Malaysia, Singapore, all those places, they. They wear masks a lot of the time anyway. I know some benefits prefer air pollution, but um, they're you know much more. Um, they've been much more comfortable with that for a lot longer than we we have. Do you know it's it struck me? I mean, I'm, I might be completely wrong here. Uh, I probably am because I often am. <laughs> <laughs> but it struck me. I was out out rambling, doing one of my daily walks. Um, I'm very lucky to have a park nearby, so I was out in the park um, thinking about. Um, 
about pollution generally and about electric cars. I've probably been watching something about electric cars on YouTube and um, wondering. Oh, I know what. I, yes, I know what it was. I was thinking about cancer. Just, just a friend at church has just lost a, a sister-in-law to cancer, uh, and I was just thinking how. Do you know how they used to say one in ten people will get cancer in their lifetimes, and then it's now one in two. Yep, yep. I heard that and the other day. It, it made me wonder whether pollution is part of it. You know, and and, and when we eventually get to a point where where, where the numbers of petrol and diesel cars are reducing significantly will we see a drop in cancer rates i wonder I it's, so. it was just a thought in the I back should... of my head i want i wondered whether it's linked in some way you know i'm sure it can't help you don't know do you, you know <laughs> no i'm sure yes i'm sure it doesn't help it doesn't help you know i know we've re- i mean they removed lead and, and things for a whole variety of perfectly good reasons but you know well there was still... a news article not long ago wasn't there that said um that for the first time ever someone had actually legally got uh, pollution as part of the reason they died mm, yeah. on, on the death certificate. So apparently that was the first time fairly recently. So um, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll skip ahead and then we'll come back a bit because as you've brought up electric cars... Um, yes, why not? Why not? Let's skip ahead to the car thing. I mean, obviously, rumours have been rife um, and mounting, certainly over the last daily, daily, <laughs> daily about, even, the, yes. you know, Project <laughs> Titan, a.k.a. the Apple car. Um, because Hyundai um, said that they and several other car manufacturers were in talks with Apple uh, about, you know, becoming a manufacturing partner for a possible Apple car. And I think most people in, you know, in the Apple sphere went, you've just shot yourself in the foot. You'll be struck off. (laughs) Because normally, if you know, if Apple are negotiating with somebody about something they don't want mentioned and you open your big mouth about it, you're immediately struck off the list of potential business (laughs) partners. But Indeed, um, yeah. Then, uh, then... They tried to roll it back a bit and said it's all, all provisional, all provisional stuff. You know, no, um, no actual negotiations as such. Yeah, um, we're only talking about talks. We're talking about talking <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But apparently, for whatever reason, that wasn't enough to um, blow them out of the water. Um, and the next thing that came out was uh, Hyundai said that, um, or people said that the Hyundai. Uh, upper management echelons were divided over whether they wanted to do that. Um, And the speculation or input from analysts seemed to be that Hyundai, um, you know, like Apple, are a company, they're not beholden to anybody else. They like to do their own thing and they don't have anybody telling them what to do. And um, that might be a culture clash. Um, Yeah, there was some speculation. I thought I heard some speculation they might push it off to their their sub-brand. Yes. Well, the next the next thing that uh, came up was, uh, I mean, all this stuff is rumor or hearsay or of course, yeah, whatever. Um, was that they might uh, Kia might become a manufacturing partner? Yeah, which is a partner, isn't it? Yeah, a partner for Apple. Now, Kia is a, a you know, it's a corporation in its own right. Um, it's another Korean car maker, but they are um. 33 or 36 i can't remember percent owned by hyundai so they are yeah i think they're very closely uh, yeah they're very, very closely, closely linked but um yeah so kia is effectively part of the hyundai group i suppose um i think so and they i think also may already manufacture cars for other smaller manufacturers i i couldn't don't quote me on that but um yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. But, but of course, also, Kia have their own electric vehicles as well. They so. are also quite well known for doing small vehicles and for doing um, their own little range of electric vehicles. And yes, my personal and this is purely my personal thought that if Apple were to do an Apple car, as you know, I like. I'm beginning to think of it as the Apple Travel Pod, to be honest. Um, because there are rumours mm. flying about that it might not even have a steering wheel and all sorts of other wild you know speculation but i could imagine something you you probably know these some of our overseas listeners won't but i'm sure you've been to cadbury world nick you've been to the cadbury I haven't, actually have you never been no i never have 
I'm sure. I, I mean, almost everyone I know has, but right, okay. <laughs> but I never well, have. I went there years ago. I went there years ago. But very famously, they have the Cadbury's cream egg cars that you can rent to drive around in. Oh right, okay. Have you not? You might have seen a photograph of them. I have seen. Yeah, yeah I've seen. I mean, a, 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 I mean, this is I don't know, twenty years ago or something. But they had these little cars which were like a Cadbury's cream egg, um, a two seater. If uh, you imagine something like the Twizy. Um, yeah. Yeah, they were like that. They were like a little square, you know, um, running gear with a with this vertical uh, Cadbury's cream egg on it. I'll, I think I might see if I can find a picture of one. We'll use that for show art, then people who know what we're talking about. Yeah, that anyway, sounds a good idea. I could imagine the Apple Travel Pod being a sort of rather more elegant version of something like that. Um, yeah, maybe that seems a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I don't seems know. A little I... bit, seems a little bit limiting. Um... Well, I don't. I. I. I'm beginning to lean towards the idea of you know gas, and somebody else mentioned it on another podcast I was listening to that you know is this vehicle even aimed at consumers? At something you can buy? You know, is it going to be aimed at more of a travel as a service? Kind of, you know, where you, particularly in urban areas, where you, you basically. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering where the money is. I can't. I, I just can't see there being huge amounts of money in that. That's all. And I, I just well, don't, I don't know. You see, I don't you see d- the money trail. No, maybe not. But I, no, there's probably a lot of metropolitan areas in the U.S. where having a car is, you know, vastly expensive to maintain. You've got parking and and all the rest of it. I, I don't know. None of us know, but I could just imagine. The I little... mean, don't get me don't get me wrong. I think there's a place in the future for 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 um, like city mobility and um, lease, you know, leasing cars or or, or even um, like sort of. Uh, there there are already are some models on out there of. Uh, like Boris's bikes and um, yeah, you know, in the where you know, where, the, where you can literally just pick one up and get on yeah, and ride it, it um, and that kind of thing. Yeah, bird and um, lime. Yes, scooters. These that's the of kind of thing. Well, yeah. I, I, so there already are things out there. I'm just not. I'm just not convinced there's, that there's enough to interest Apple in that. No, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, or it could come out and be competing with Tesla. I I don't know. Yeah, that, you see, I I even doubt that because I mean, <sighs> Tesla yeah. are so far ahead. I mean, they're far ahead, so far ahead of everybody. And um, Apple will be even further, even though they've been thinking about it for a while. They've, uh, I still find this quite difficult to imagine that they're going to go down this road at all, even though they do seem to be throwing money in that direction. Well, of course. Uh, simply because they're so much behind everybody else. I mean, I know Apple have not don't get me wrong, and I'm sure someone will quote it at some point, um, that, uh, you know, I know Apple are, experts at taking other people's ideas and then making them into something special like the iPhone and the watch and the iPad. Um, but can I see it for cars? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It might, it might be right. It might be Gaz's, might be Gaz's idea that it, it, it's all about service and they're actually going to offer something that is distinctive. It's like in-car services of some sort or uh, i don't know i don't know i'll be fascinated to find out if anything comes of it i so would i and you know we and most other you know apple focused podcasts have kicked this around for years are they doing something aren't they doing something is it one thing that came to light this week however was that apple have poached the porsche vp of chassis development um oh okay that's interesting <laughs> which is rather interesting because lots of he's other... not gonna have a lot of software skills is he no i mean a yeah. lot of other people have been you know so and so from here or there or whatever has been you know has been gone to apple and you know possibly they've had people who were especially seen lidar and people who are especially seen ai and people who you know various things is there that could be to do with that could be to do with the project titan and the car and all, all that sort of thing but i mean um a chassis specialist and i'm not just some you know not just any chassis man it's porsche's vp of chassis development um that's a fair see that <laughs> that that could be that now i've heard someone speculate this is about this before as well that they aren't actually going to develop a car they can actually develop a platform yeah so they'll they'll like like the Tesla skateboard and their design for electric cars that Apple are actually going to develop something at that end that other yeah. people will plonk their, plonk their, their um, you know, put all their, 
you know, build their body their work on too. Body work and styling and whatnot. Yeah, that they just build the, you know, a sort of Model T Ford chassis platform. Yeah, that's in, interesting. In, 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 go, but um, that would certainly indicate something rather more physical than just the, you know, the control. It would. Wouldn't it? The, yes, than just control software. Unless, of course, Having said that. Yeah, have you said having that? Said Maybe that. he's got a, you know a yearning to build the fabulous new you know Mac Pro chassis. You know. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, Tesla have um, they're the only ones who've really stepped up and realised that the most almost the most important thing about a car is its software. Mm. Um, there are lots of now there are lots of others out there, mainstream car manufacturers who are saying that they have the ability to update over the air. Yeah. But whenever I hear that said, I I say, yeah, but will you? Yeah. <laughs> but will you actually update them over will the air? Tesla definitely will. When you buy a Tesla in six months, it's probably a slightly different Tesla because they update the software. Uh, and you can see they've updated the software. And, I mean, and they, um, you know, they'll do things where they increase the range slightly and or, all yeah, sorts of all tweaks. all sorts and, of things that they do, you know. Um, whereas I'm not, I'm not hearing other manufacturers like VW, for instance, or uh, any of the others that can actually do over-the-air updates. I'm not hearing them putting out lots of updates that are making their cars a lot better. No. Because the thing is, that isn't the way of traditional manufacturers. No, it's not. Um, and um, I can't. One of one of um, one of Guy Searle's chums. I can't remember if it's Warren or or uh, David Ginsburg or anyway, one of them has. Um, a Tesla, which he's right. not had very long. And uh, somebody said to him on one of the shows I was listening to, how's your Tesla? And he said, well, the one thing I can tell you about the Tesla is it's more of a computer on wheels than it is a car. Yeah. He says, you know, there's updates, updates every week, you know. Um, so there we are. Um, interesting. Lots of interesting, interesting speculation. Lots then. of interesting mm. speculation. And, it, you know, um, where that will go, we will have to see. But it would appear that something in the car sphere is looking more and more likely rather than... Of course, Apple could just... Apple are rich enough that they could spend 10 years pouring billions into something and then go, you know what, I don't think this is nah. working. Got it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're not going to make any money on it. No. We'll sell it off, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, the fact is they, they appeared to be abandoning Titan, didn't they, a little while ago, so... Well, they, you know, they reassigned a whole load of people and there were talks that it changed direction and, you know. But Apple have got enough money that they can do what the hell they yeah, like. Yeah, that's true. No. That's true. And I they, mean, and they, 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 uh, the, what was the thing is with cars as well is it takes so long. Manufacturing, yeah. a, designing uh, anything to do with cars is a long process. It takes many years. I mean, Tesla are remarkable with the speed that they've actually managed to get to where they are. Indeed. Um, uh, the vast majority, you know, t- uh, uh, an average car has, a, I think it's 10-year life cycle. I was going to say 10-year life cycle. I, I heard that on another podcast. Yeah, um, so, so that's a long time. You know, and if you think about it, I mean, um, quite often what they'll do, you know, they'll bring out, I mean, if you think about the, if you think about something like the Sierra, the Ford Sierra, which is a long time yeah. ago now, but, you know, they re- replaced the well-beloved Cortina with the Sierra, with a new body shape and all new running gear and the whole thing. And that car ran for 15 years, probably, you know, updated, regularly yeah. updated, new trim, new... Sierra, Sierra Cosworth and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, the difference between a Mark One and whatever the final one off the production line was would, you know, be considerable. But yes. people tell me that the minute the Mark One of something rolls off, the production line you have then two teams you have a team who you know or often you'll have a team whose job it is then to refine and update that product over its lifetime meanwhile another team the minute mark one rolls off the production line they start working on what we're going to do next yeah because it takes that long to do whatever comes afterwards so there we are it's um it's all very interesting but it, you know, it's it i've heard a lot of the, similarly by the way and this is a sort of spin off but similarly i've heard a lot of people you know chuntering on as you might say about the fact that apple have extended the apple tv plus uh, out until yeah. july and I, I mean we've talked about this before and i'm pretty sure 
personally, that the reason they've done that is they have not been able to deliver all the content they had planned. Um, and they don't feel that they can get people to shell over the bondulics for the content, good as it is, that is on Apple TV at the moment. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, it's possible. Um, and that, you know, they've pushed it out because they've got all this stuff in, you know, lined up, you know, Ted Lasso seasons two and three and the whole list of other Servant things. Servant and, yeah, yeah, yeah and, tons of stuff. And, you know, the Asimov Foundation series and all these things, many of which were put back by months um, yeah. because of the pandemic. Um, and I've heard some people saying, oh, well, you know, it's affecting their bottom line. I really don't think the amount of money that Apple TV Plus makes. No, that's a drop <laughs> in the ocean. You know, and it's like, oh, well, they've spent all this money and can they afford to go back? Apple have got more money than they know what to do with, really. I mean, they had their quarterly yeah, of course, results. And of course, we, we did notice, didn't we, in the last uh, in the last round of uh, in the last round of um, their finances that their services was going down, wasn't it? Because of the oh no, it wasn't. No, it was going up. <laughs> it was going up. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just had their quarterly results, and they made twenty nine billion pounds gross profit in that's all some money a quarter on. I yeah, think that's. It was, I can't even conceive that amount of money. They, <laughs> it was £111 billion in revenue over the quarter and a £29 billion gross profit. Wow. Is that, which, was that pounds or dollars? Dollars. Did you mean in, dollars? In dollars, yeah. in dollars, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's like inconceivable amounts of money. It is, yes. It's a, yeah. So, you know, if Apple want to wait five years before they decide to make people pay for Apple TV+, Plus, it's, the, it's pocket change to them, realistically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely pocket change. And um, I've heard some people saying, oh, well, you know, of course, you know, some poor people, uh, you know, suckers bought into the Apple One bundle, but um, that's not true either because Apple, once they extended it, said if you're paying for or, um, you know, were on a uh, free, you know, you would have been on the free Apple TV Plus yes. and you've signed up for the bundle. Then they're, re- they're refunded them, haven't well, they're they? They're refunding them the four, uh, or crediting them, five, you know, $5 or four ninety nine a month. Because Carl got his. He said, oh, you know, I thought I'd been done out of a fiver by Apple. But then they sent me an email saying, you know, due to the extension of the free um, the free trial, and you were on the free trial before you signed up for the bundle, we will be crediting you to the end of the free period. So he's not being charged any extra money anyway. Surely good. I'm talking are. about trials, um, or at least betas. Um, what's this thing about re- Apple uh, Silicon developers? Oh, getting well, their money yes. back. Yeah, well, sort of. Um, the the people who signed up for the uh, the M one, you know, the uh, Apple Silicon Developer Program, there, there was a, a chance to uh, rent for five hundred dollars the um, software development kit, which included um, a Mac Mini running. And on... they reckoned it was an A four A fourteen, was it? Yes, it was running. It was running on yeah. the A fourteen, um, and uh, it was five hundred dollars to rent one for a year. Apparently, so this was so they could develop software. To, and, to develop software, uh, yeah. ready, you know, ready for the ready for the M1 for the M1, um, and that period is coming to an end. And um, I was listening, uh, as we say, I was listening to Mac and forth, and and Dean said that uh, he'd had an email saying we'll shortly be asking you to send back your software developer, uh, you know, uh, M1, oh, not M1, your your developer, yeah, the developer, the, developer you know, Mac Mini, yeah. Um, and we will uh, we will give you uh, a two hundred dollar uh, voucher, which you can use to buy an M one Macintosh uh, before the thirty first of May. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, a lot of developers, got a bit up in arms, and some I think thought that two hundred dollars was a bit stingy. Um, but from what I've read. Um, a lot more of them were more miffed about the the short period of time in which they had to use this discount. Um, yes, they gave them a very short. Yeah, well, period it was only until the end of May, it, yeah. and and uh, you know, Dean said, "I don't know that I'm going to get any value out of it because it's unlike you know, I don't want any of the current M1 Macs." Which makes know. sense, really, because I mean, developers are going to want that they're obviously going to prefer. Yeah, more powerful machines. More powerful so. machine. And as you said, um, you know, I 
my wife, you know, has got a, a, the MacBook Air M1, so I can use that for testing in, you know, in the meantime. So I would be looking to get something further up the further up the ladder, but I'm not sure yeah. that they'll have anything out before this voucher expires. Anyway, because there was a, a big, you know, outcry from uh, a lot of developers, I, either about the amount of money or the amount of time that they would have to, uh, re, you know, uh, redeem this offer. Apple. Um, have increased the credit from $200 to $500, which is basically what the developers put in. Paid in the first place. Which is Dean said, look, you know, I don't necessarily expect anything back because it's quite clear when you sign up, you're paying to rent this piece of kit to develop on and we'll want it back. Um, But what they have done, far more importantly, as far as I can see, is they extended the redemption period to the end of the year, which I'm sure has probably satisfied a lot more people because the chances of a, a machine that they want, you know, be it the 16-inch MacBook Pro or maybe an iMac, um, will be available before then. Yeah, so, so it's with the M1X or the M2 chip yeah, or the... Whatever it is. <laughs> whatever you know, it is by the time know, we or, get there. Or a dual M1 or whatever, whatever they do. Yeah. Um, that that makes sense to me. And I mean, I suppose Apple were being a little bit stingy, weren't they? Well, $200 to spend on an M1 Mac before the end of May kind of restricts you to, well, what we all know were yes. the entry-level so, machines. Um, and, and an awful lot of those developers will have gone ahead and bought an M1 anyway. Yeah, they've probably already so, bought an M1 Mac Mini. Yeah, or so a they Mac can test it on the proper... So they can test it on the proper hardware, as it yeah. were. Yeah, and what but what they're looking for for themselves will be something higher up the chain when it's available. So anyway, yeah, Apple have you know Apple have listened and done the right thing. Let's put it that way. Jolly good. Well done, Apple. Yep. Um, That's often the case. Often the case with Apple, though, they need a little bit of sometimes, sometimes they need they a little need bit of poking. Yeah, a bit of a poke. <laughs> poking uh, with a stick. Poke them with a sharp <laughs> stick. Um, apparently, uh, what else have we got? Um, well, we were, t- we were talking about the hiring of um, the Porsche VP. Um, Apple hardware boss, um, Dan Riccio, I think, has stepped down to focus on the mysterious secret project, Undisclosed, reporting directly oh. to Tim Cook. Um, so... Another secret project. Another secret project. <laughs> uh, and, and a hardware project. Yeah, almost certainly. He's a hardware boss and he's stepping down to focus on mysterious secret projects. Oh, um, whether okay. that's, you know, it's secret. It's top secret. <laughs> we could tell you, but we'd have to kill you. Um, <laughs> he, he stepped down as head of hardware and his deputy, who uh, has been promoted from VP to SVP, is taking his place as head of uh, hardware development at Apple. So, you know, stuff going on, stuff going on. I mean, there's a load of rumours flying around about this reportedly £3,000 slash dollar twin 8K lenses VR headset, which... Um, oh, yes, I've heard some rumours about that as well. Yeah, yeah. There, a lot of people are getting excited about that, but that, that strikes me as, like, it's all very vague, to be honest. Um, yes, and I mean, the, the, the rumours that have been, I mean, they took $3,000 for a headset just seems... Well, uh, ridiculously um, large amount of money. Chuck, Chuck Joyner and, and um, uh, you know, a whole load of people we all know, um, Kelly and uh, Guy and uh, various other people, were, were talking about that the other day. And um, not only did they mostly say, well, we, you know, we don't know how uh, reliable any of this information is, obviously, but also just because people are describing it as a headset and then saying, oh, well, you can buy an Oculus Rift for, I don't know, £600 or something. That seems, you know, way over the top. But I mean, the Microsoft HoloLens is about three and a half thousand dollars, I believe, and that's not aimed at consumers. Yeah, but that's not aimed at consumers anyway. No, no, it's not. So, you know, who's to say that this is a consumer product? And um, as Guy pointed out, if it is, who's to say it doesn't come with, um, you know, its own specialised Mac Mini or something, and you know, hand tracking cameras. But how and how, how many how work. many products do Apple make at the moment that aren't consumer products? True, very few. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why would they all... suddenly start doing? Well, yeah, yeah so, exactly. Yeah, it's all speculation. It's all wild speculation. And whilst we all know Apple like to charge a premium price 
um, they've also bought people on the hop before because, I mean, the iPad, everybody was saying it was, you know, the original iPad, everybody was saying, oh, it's going to be 900 and, you know. Oh, that's true. And it wasn't, be, was it, anyway? It's going to be 899. It's going to be 999. It's going to be 1099. And then Steve stepped out and went, yes, not 999, not 799. It's, what was it, 499, I think, originally? I think it was 499, yeah. And everybody went, oh, wow. <laughs> and um more recently i mean the, the ipod mini you know the rumors about that were rife and there were rumors oh, saying right. it was going to be 99 dollars. Yeah. and you and me and uh, guy and gaz and pretty much everybody yeah, were, were going don't be silly it won't be that cheap. 99 dollars. <laughs> you're having no it, this is apple it's going to be at least 149 probably 199 and they came out and went and here's the ipod mini yours for $99 and everybody was gobsmacked, you know. Yes, they do the, do that occasionally. Yeah. You know. Um, and then they go the other way and say, yeah, here's a set of um, headphones. They're yours for a measly $550. <laughs> and people go the other way and go, what? That's right. What? There we are. Um, what else have we got going on? Um, can we have a can we have a short break? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, we'll take a break. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, my, having had having had pizza, I'm now getting quite dry. <laughs> All right, mate, we'll take a five-minute break. Right you are. Thank you. I'll go and get a cup of tea. I'm sitting at an outdoor table here outside the warehouse at Nemo's Hardware Store with a giant rectangular black piece of plastic that has some holes in it, and it's called the Sketchboard Pro. S-K-E-T-C-H-B-O-A-R-D-P-R-O. Sketchboard Pro. And that's also the website, sketchboardpro.com. comes for every size of iPad. When it first arrived, it was like the giantest pizza box of all time. And it's quite substantial. Big rectangular piece of plastic. And one hole at the top is for a carrying handle that's built in. Another hole, upper left, is for the camera on the iPad. And then you press your iPad in to the designated size that you order. There's a specific one for each model of iPad that you use. Over on the right side is a little slot for your charging cable, and there's a little hole upper right for your Apple Pencil. You'll see this all on their website at sketchboardpro.com. In the U.S., it's $119, and Simon will do his best to get the links for UK, Europe, New Zealand, and the world. On the back, you see four legs that flip out. That's the leg flipping in and out. There's four of them. So it can be in portrait or landscape mode, in either position, either of the four orientations, depending on where you want it to be relative to the camera, the handle, and your Apple Pencil, whether you're right-handed or left-handed. On the outside of the iPad, the perimeter of it, as you'll see, there's about a three-and-a-half-inch surround, like a giant bezel, all the way around. And you can rest your hand there. You can put Post-it notes there. You can use it just like you would use a regular easel for drawing, for painting, for drafting any type of graphical work. For $119, you basically carry a giant drafting table or a giant artist table with you. The legs are not adjustable. But let me flip these legs out. Let's go into horizontal portrait mode here. Set it down. Okay, so it lifts it up the back about five inches off the table. And so I can flip those legs back and leave horizontal landscape mode and go into vertical portrait mode. Very difficult to describe, very easy to do. It does exactly one thing, and it does it very, very well. It's incredibly substantial and well-built. It'll outlive your iPad by at least a 1,000 years. So use this thing a lot. Do not carry it around with the iPad in it. Take the iPad out when you're transporting it. The iPad snugly tucks in there, and it's nice and safe. You'll want to take the iPad out of its case. You want the iPad to be naked or with a very, very thin case tucked in to the central part where it goes on the Sketchboard Pro. So again, look it up on our links from this episode of Essential Apple, and also go to their website, sketchboardpro.com. People like Donnie and Kurt and Simon, who do a lot of graphics work, they would love to have one of these with their iPad. Even if I set it down on the table, the legs themselves are rubberized. So even if it's just sitting on a table bare without being sticking up elevated landscape mode, it stays in one place. So if you're on an actual 
physical drafting table or any type of angled table, it will stay in place. I keep thinking of more and more uses for it. I'm going to use it when I'm teaching tomorrow to demonstrate to my class because it's so easy to hold it up and explain things with this giant handle on the top. So well done, Sketchboard Pro, for $119, an outstanding professional-grade easel or artist table or drafting support for your arms and hands and your pencil and your charging cable. They've just done a really great job, and it comes in any color you want as long as it's black. So Nemo's Hardware Store will start using this in our drawing and drafting and design department. Oh, yeah, designers will love the Sketchboard Pro. Back as soon as I can with more products. What else have we got? Um, apparently, um, Apple has launched an iCloud password extension for Chrome on Windows, which is nice. Um, if you're cross-platform and you use Chrome on Windows, um, you can now uh, use this extension so that it will, uh, I believe, tie in with your iCloud keychain. So that you don't oh, right, have... okay. Um, I think that's the point of that, which is rather nice. Um, cool. Convenient if you use Chrome. Mm. Um, a researcher has discovered a hidden iOS 14 a blast door security mechanism. Apparently, this was from IT Pro. Um Oh, we'll have to have a look at this. What does that mean? Oh, go away. Yes, you and your bleeding cookies. Right. Um, <laughs> every time, in it? We use cookies. Do you accept? Do you want to do this, that, and the Just get out of the way. Uh, this protective <laughs> layer sandboxes incoming iMessages to protect users from malicious texts, apparently. Um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, because the, the, there used to be problems with certain characters didn't they yeah used to cause issues i don't, I don't know if if um it will protect you against that i guess it probably does i mean yeah people used to have those things didn't they message bombs where you could put embed certain unicode yes characters that and every time you tried to open it it would crash crash everything stuff. Yeah. um yeah. right okay it says uh ios 14 was shipped with a previously undisclosed security mechanism comprised major changes to the way incoming iMessage texts are processed. Uh, Apple has introduced a blast door, which serves as a sandboxing service for incoming message data. Uh, according to Google's Project Zero researcher uh, Samuel Grosh, I believe that is. Um, this hadn't been previously disclosed by Apple, and the tool was discovered after reverse engineering the operating system. Blastdoor aims to safeguard the iPhone users against common forms of attack, which involves malicious payloads being sent through iMessage texts. Hackers have in the past exploited iMessage vulnerabilities to launch remote code execution attacks. Apparently, oh dear. Um, uh, right, so it does, it does say, you know, we were talking about the characters. It does say um, it's written in Swift. This blast door thing, which is considered right. a memory safe language, which makes it harder to introduce classic memory corruption vulnerabilities in the code base. Mm. So apparently because of the way it's written, it, it also makes it more secure or the, okay. rather the language it's written in. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Anything that keeps us safer is going to be yep. good. So there you go. Uh, apparently it's a sandboxing layer, which uh, handles incoming uh, incoming stuff data via iMessage. Um, here we go. Um, yes, here we go. The great iPhone uh, disclosed by Citizen Lab in December 2020 is an example of a series of attacks which exploited weaknesses in iMessage. The report revealed the government operatives using NSO Group's famous Pegasus spyware were found to have hacked 36 phones belonging to Al Jazeera journalists. Um, and the operatives deployed an invisible zero-click exploit in iMessage to conduct these attacks. The report claimed oh, right. that these attacks would no longer work against devices with iOS 14 due to undefined new security protection, uh, which prompted uh, Project Zero's Grosh to reverse engineer it in order to establish the precise nature of this security mechanism. Uh, okay, beyond blast door, it's, it's, uh, it's all it's all cut. It's all cat and mouse stuff, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> With yeah, security. Yeah. Beyond Blastdoor, it was found that Apple had added a set of technical structural changes, including exponential throttling between restarts to make it harder for attackers to breach devices. Uh, okay. Right, yeah. Overall, these changes are probably very close to the best that could have been done given the need for backwards compatibility, and they should have a significant impact on the security of iMessage and the platform as a whole. Well, oh, there we go. 
Well, hey. Well, hey, it's good to see Apple putting aside resources for these kinds of large refactorings to improve end-to-users' security. And these yeah. changes highlight the value of offensive security work. Not single bugs Ooh. were fixed, but instead structural improvements have been made based on insights gained from exploit development work. So that's pretty high praise from... Uh, it is. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing. Well done, Apple, apparently. Uh, well done, everybody involved in that one. Um... What else have we got? Uh, oh, yes, the nutrition labels. Um, I think this was the, was it the Washington Post, I think, uh, did an investigation because obviously Apple's new uh, app transparency thing, whatever it is, um, app trans uh, tracking transparency, that's what they're calling it. Um, and they have these new things which they're calling the nutrition labels, aren't they, which tell, tell you basically what it is that they're going to collect about you. Um iOS users should probably uh, can't trust App Store nutrition labels yet. It was a cult of Mac. Um, basically, you know, the Washington Post investigated some uh, a variety of apps and uh, found that some of them uh, were basically telling porky pies in their nutrition labels. They had uh, they said that they were not tracking, you know, location. There's no or... tracking here. Or, no know, tracking here. We're not tracking this, <laughs> and we're not tracking that. And uh, actually, yes, they still were. So, uh, guess what? Certain, uh, you know, unscrupulous, uh, you know, operators might lie about what they are still doing. Well, no what doubt. a surprise! What a surprise! Yeah, <laughs> um, I have to say that most of the things they mentioned they were not, you know, anything I'd recognise. Um, no, no. So, you know. Um, Although, obviously, it's not great if, you know, Apple are doing something and uh, no. they're going to have to crack down on these things and find if people are uh, if it's, people it's, are fibbing, they're uh, going to have to be punished. It must be incredibly frustrating, wasn't it? Because when, when whenever you try and make things more um, private, whenever you try and lock things down, you then have to put measures in to catch people out who are trying to break the rules. Cheat it. Yep. Yeah. So you've not only got to put that in place, but you've also got to put employ people to then watch the people who are supposed to be doing the right thing. Yeah, I was going to say very then, frustrating. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the report did not, you know, um, have a go at Apple. But what they were saying is Apple are going to, you know, this is something Apple are going to have to something else Apple have got to do. You know, they've now, like you said, yes. now not only have they got to go through people's check people's apps and all the other things that they're supposed to be doing, but they've now got to verify that if they say they're not tracking your device ID or your location, that they actually aren't. Um, oh dear. I'm sure someone, I'm sure someone somewhere could say, well, yeah, but Apple makes all the money in the world, so they could quite easily afford to employ a few other people to, to well, do that. Yeah, so. possibly, possibly. But <laughs> there we go. Um, at the moment, I mean, it's a new thing. They've only just introduced it, so yes, yeah. You know, but um, you can't necessarily trust what they tell you on the on the label at the moment. Um, there we are. <clears throat> what else? I remember. Uh, I remember going uh, looking. Oh, this is going back a number of years. I think I was in Asda. I'm not saying this is unique to Asda, but I remember looking around Asda at one point. I was in in one of those occasions when I was trying to lose weight, like I always am, really, and uh, I had a look at their low fat rice pudding oh tinned yeah. rice pudding mm -hmm. and uh it had i don't know let's say it had three and a half grams of fat in in the in the tin uh and then i picked up a completely normal uh not non-low fat uh tin and that also had three and a half grams in yeah. the tin and i thought hold on a minute this is supposed to be low fat but it's the yeah. same as the other one it's the same as the other one <laughs> yeah well, probably lower fat than their extra creamy <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that's probably it. Yeah, yeah. If it's a if it's a well known brand, their low fat version is lower fat than their uh, super extra creamy. Than the version. fattiest thing you can think of. Yeah, I thought you were going to say the other one, the other classic for that. You know, it's those things that says you know um, contains no added sugars, doesn't need any added yes. sugars. It's already full of sugar. Full or, of sugar. You know, <laughs> that's right. It's almost solid sugar anyway. Yeah. No. Um, or I don't know. Yeah, contains no fat. No, because it's pure sugar. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know. It's complicated. This nutrition stuff. I'll never oh, understand it. It is. Or yeah, low fat is also the other one to watch for. If you are, if you are, you know, watching your weight, watch out on a lot of low fat products because they might be low in fat, but to make up for that, they add extra sugar. To, yes. 
they often do bump it's the true. taste up you know so yeah uh, i mean i know i know our government here in the uk has clamped down on a lot of that because they can't you know yeah. now you know now higher in you know or high in fiber or you know lower in fat or whatever well compared to what well the la- let's put it this way the labeling is better than nothing Yes, it is, and because we used to have nothing. So. And it, it, yes, and in this country, the, the government did tighten up the legislation very quickly when people started doing that sort of contains no, you know, contains no additives. Well, did it have any additives in it before? You know, or no extra additives, <laughs> or you know, whatever. Yes. All sorts of marketing weaselly words that don't add up to very much at all. Um, we'll skip on. I think now, Nick, towards the end. Uh, Security and privacy uh, lawmakers take aim at insidious digital dark patterns, uh, report in Ars Technica, and uh, quite right too, to be honest. Um, And for those who don't know, dark patterns are uh, the sort of schemes where, um, for example, my favourite, or, you know, favourite in air quotes, is, um, you know, when you get those, um, like, cookie, you know, the cookie policy thing, and you say, um, yeah, show me my options. And uh, a dark pattern is the sort of thing where uh, accept all is highlighted and, um, you know, everything's on by default and there's no turn everything off by default. So you've got to go through manually switching them all off. And when you get to the bottom, the save my preferences button is pale grey, but the accept all, you know, is a great big red button. So it's very easy for you to accidentally having So you're encouraging people to make the wrong choice, effectively. Yes, you know, having already, uh, you know, gone through manually switching them off, if you're not careful, it's very easy to then click on the big button, which says um, accept all anyway, and you've wasted your time. Um, and that's a very simple version of it, but um, dark patterns yeah. are I know what you mean, though. Yeah. But they are ways of deliberately steering people through the UI to do what you want and not what they want. Um, yes. And I must uh, admit, when I read when I read the title of that earlier, and I thought it said lawn makers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> lawn makers. Digital do- dark pattern. I thought there was something, you know, something that some kind of um, hacking that they've managed to find in grasp cut, cut patterns or something. <laughs> a bunch of gardeners <laughs> who were sick of coming coming back to find, you know, equals MC square etched etched into their beautiful lawns. <laughs> Um, must get new glasses i am getting new glasses (laughs) yeah uh, dark patterns come in many forms and can trick a person out of time or money into forfeiting personal data um yeah a common example is the digital obstacle course that springs up when you try to nix an online account or a subscription um and so on um and this is on why isn't it isn't it isn't the 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 earliest version of this the uh the uh, using double negatives and things to actually make you yeah yes i do i i don't wish to definitely have yeah not the (laughs) Uh, this is in the u.s at the moment um this is the first time the term dark patterns has appeared in u.s law but likely not the last um dark patterns Yep, it's, that's uh, actually that's quite insidious, really, isn't it? That's almost yes. like subliminal advertising. Yes, um, it's sort of taking people down a route that, that they didn't intend to go down. In, indeed, it is. Um, the other the other one which has sprung up, by the way, and I know, I know you tend to accept all the cookies regardless, which is you know fair enough. But the other sneak yeah. attack that has crept in um, on a lot of these is if you go da- if you go and look at the options. I mean, one one of the sort of dark patterns they do is make it very very difficult to turn off all the bloody things anyway by making you do yes. them all one by one. Um, as I said the other week, the New York Times is particularly egregious because every single tracker you have to click on, which then takes you to that tracker's individual site to say you don't oh, wish to good be tracked. Grief. Um, however, what's sprung up on a lot of others where now they have the, you know, advertising, no advertising, thank you very much. And then next to that, there's one that says legitimate interest. What's legitimate interest? It's just a <laughs> bloody another weaselly word for them to hide everything. You leave that ticked on, they can all claim that it's legitimate interest because you didn't turn it off. So that's, you know, now there's twice as many you've got to turn off. You've got to turn no advertising and no legitimate ad- interest advertising. And like That's another sneak attack. 
Yeah. I, I, I particularly dislike the ones where they have all these switches and there's no... I mean, on the better sites, and there are plenty out there, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of better sites where it says accept all, reject all, or you can go through manually saying, yes, I you know, I don't mind performance cookies, but I don't want advertising cookies. Um, yeah, I think the... I'd just prefer to have... I think I'd just prefer to have one question at the end, and that question would be, do you already give all your information to Google and Facebook? <laughs> Yeah. And if I can just tick that at the end, and then they won't bother me again. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. But, yeah, you know, I was all for GDPR, and I still am, but certain sites oh, it's have made, made life it, complicated, has not it? You know, and, every, yeah, every site now springs up with a bloody, do you want this and do you want that? No, I don't. Go away. There we go. Uh, hence my love of ghostery and uh, Safari's anti-tracking and uh, yes. the, the Goog, no Google Analytics, thank you very much, and all the rest. Keep on going, chaps. Um, that's that. So, yeah, dark patterns are under attack, at least in the US. Good. Thank you. Hope the EU should be getting on that, to be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, Chrome for Mac, there's a security flaw. Um, point to nine to five. If you use Chrome on the Mac, make sure you are fully up to date. There was a security flaw being um, actively exploited. Actively exploited. Mm-hmm. So there we are. Um, and that's about it, Nick. I think that probably... Jolly good. Talk. That was quite um, an interesting uh, chunk of um, news today, this time. Yes, yes. Well, we did have effectively two weeks' worth, to be honest. But um, Yes. Yeah. I mean, and we haven't even mentioned, you know, Jeff Bezos standing down. Um, oh, that's I true. I yeah. don't really care, to be honest. I haven't got, you know, I haven't got much to say about it. Other than no, nor have I, you know. Like, yeah. Fine. So I'm long sure thanks got, for all the fish. Yeah, I'm sure he's got more <laughs> than enough money that he would never have to work ever again. Ever, ever, Indeed. ever. In a hundred lives times so whoop-de-doo um i'm sure he's got plenty of other things to fill his time with uh right well nick we'll wrap it up then i think um you can just tell everybody where you're not found and then uh <laughs> <laughs> yes you can yes you can't find me on the, on twitter <laughs> but you might if you're really lucky uh, and you can find me and i'm spligosh on that s-p-l-i-g-o-s-h and you can hear me occasionally over on Bart's show on Let's Talk Apple. Although I think I think I saw an email from him not long ago, and uh, yeah. I didn't. Uh... Uh, well, oh, wasn't I... it late at night? Something it was about eleven yes. o'clock in the it, evening. It, because, yeah. um, as he said, um, he had uh, Linda on because it was um, obviously the oh the the end of the end of the quarter you know, quarter, quarter quarterly results. So he had Linda on. Yes, but. Um, and she's in America, so it's probably not so bad. But um, it was about 11 o'clock at night, I think he mentioned. Was here, yeah. Yes, um, and I thought that's... Yeah, so I, I, I didn't think I'd... Even though I'm probably up at about that time, I'm not sure I'd be thinking straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, towards the end of the you know towards the end of the show, he mentions it being about quarter to one in the morning or something, so... Um, oh, no, oh, well, I, I'll have a listen to that. I think I might have been flagging, um, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't volunteer for that one either. Um, there we go. Uh, right, you can find me on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S E R E N A K. Uh, the show tweets as at Essential Apple. All our stuff is over at EssentialApple.com. Um, thank you, as always, to uh, everybody who is in the Slack room for stories and uh, general uh, hilarity. Oh, yeah, there's been, there's been some good chat on the Slack, hasn't there? There has, there has. Um, yeah. You know, um, been talking about Word and Word, word and processors. Jim Jiminy's uh, printer, his printer that um, yeah, Big Sur is apparently broken. Um, and uh, all sorts of things, all sorts of things going on, as well as people posting pictures of the snow and, um, you know, all that sort of thing, all that sort of jollity that goes on in there. And uh, yes, come nice. and join us if you're not there already. Yeah, come and join us. The link is in the show notes. And um, if you want to support us, links for that are in the show notes and, of course, uh, get a mention in the outro section. So I think with that, we will uh, call it a day. And uh, until next time, Nick and I will say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye indeed. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both 
Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Some people like their live casts to be informative, to the point, provocative, and timely. The Mac to the Future live cast is some of those things, but we won't say which ones. Join Dave Ginsberg, Guy Searle, and Warren Sklar for a weekly dose of Apple Fun every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Facebook or in the Mac to the Future Facebook group.